0: Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Dan Pazuda, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, we're uh, floating through uh, this offseason. OTAs starting. Uh, really not a lot to talk about there, which is why we're probably just not going to mention OTAs at all. It's where you like start getting news, kind of, but it's not really news. It's just like something that people are talking about um, and not a lot that's really actionable. So we're... We're not going to, uh, go over a, a full, you know, OTA day one, uh, recap, but, uh, w- since there is, you know, the football on the way, how are we doing today?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, we're knocking on the door here. It's going to be June. Uh, and you know, the, the, summer months fly off anyways, but, uh, yeah, you talk about OTAs coming off and there's just so many players that don't report to OTAs. It's so hard to kind of, uh, delineate like really what's going on. You're just, if you just hope everyone that you, all the stars make it through safely, uh, Know, it was what, two years ago, I think we had like Debo Samuel suffer a major injury. Uh, so we just hopefully we just can make it through where all the guys are healthy.
0: Yeah, I think we're I think mostly what we're seeing right now is guys who, um, you know, are looking for new contracts. We're we're finding out the guys who are like slightly somewhat serious about that. I think, mean, you know, Terry McCorrin hasn't shown up uh, to Washington camp, which like good for him. Uh, and, you know, if we had our way, he probably wouldn't show up to Washington like ever again. Get, get Terry McCorn out of there, just, please. Um, yeah, we got uh, you know Kyler's not showing up to to Cardinals camp, and when well, we have some some other things like that. So I mean that that's the newsy kind of stuff that that's going on. If like something really big happens, we'll you know eventually talk about it. But uh, not a lot to really to break down there. So in you that just base, cursed us.
1: Something's definitely going to happen in like the next two hours. You just ruined yeah, it. I I did. Uh, that, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> cool. So, uh,
0: but in that vein, uh, a couple of weeks ago we ran through some of Rich's uh, quarterback rankings, getting kind of a, a jump start into uh, the fantasy season, looking for some of that. So today we're we're going to hit wide receivers, which is uh, another position that uh, has really kind of, as we've seen the the passing explosion a little bit of this league and and how running backs have been used. I think the the wide receivers um, have become like. I want to say maybe like the, the biggest fantasy commodity. I mean, if you, if you can get one of those, you know, workhorse running backs, which are, are increasingly rare. Obviously, those those guys are still going really high in drafts, but we're seeing so many good wide receivers uh, come off the board and we're, we're seeing passing production uh, go up. So you just uh, wrote a piece that was looking at the you know, overall trends of, of wide receiver production. Um, but for for fantasy, especially. Um, so before we get into uh, your rankings, what were some of your big takeaways of what we've seen from wide receiver production over the past couple of years?
1: And we've seen wide receivers kind of bounce back here the last couple of years. And now we knew we would come back down to earth a little bit from that 2020 season. I did an article a couple of weeks ago just kind of explaining what exactly went into that 2020 season that was unique and paired with the kind of, you know, trend of offensive explosion that we've been anyways. It was just kind of like the, the supreme cocktail of creating the high scoring season in NFL history. We remove a couple of those elements last year, like the penalties, the home field advantage, all those things. And we see a little bit of recoil, but the numbers are still really high last year for offenses. And in particular, wide receivers who had like a little bit of like a two or three year ball uh we're running backs we're getting used in the passing game which also coincides with like scoring kind of dipping a little bit in recent years like the 2017 season especially where running backs were used they're heaviest in the passing game wide receivers are the lowest Then, hey guess what then that happens uh you get a lot of bad offense uh so we kind of moved away from that a little bit wide receivers are kind of surging we've kind of obviously we've had the the big like kind of explosion of like three and four wide receiver sets on the field now four wide receiver sets up a kind of a long way to go until we get there but you know teams are now using basically three or more wide receivers on 75 percent of all pass plays whereas you just go like a decade ago it was basically uh you know two-thirds of the time instead of three-fourths so it's a big significant gap there we just have more wide receivers and in turn since they're on the field more productive and producing fantasy points which has kind of lowered the kind of Uh, leverage that like top wide receivers have given you like if you look at like the share of Production from like wide receiver ones and fantasy in context of the position itself that has kind of waned a little bit now we just did have cooper cup last year kind of break that door down he's been kind of the outlier uh, among the recent sample we'll see if someone can put together a season like that again uh but basically yeah all those things that are, are in the article i even talk about cooper cup and the how historic his season was and some of the regression that we could expect and how much of an outlier it was in that article as well. But yeah, just a top down look at the usage of the wide receiver position as whole. Cause that sets the foundation for us. When we look at these positions, it gives us a nice little footing, uh, understanding context of when some of these numbers drop or go up, how did the league play that year? And just kind of looking at things like that.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, one of the interesting things when we kind of saw how, you know, wide receiver production, it, it, it did, bounce back and we're seeing like so many guys like you said um have been able to uh really produce and it's one of those things where like it's i it kind of like how we've talked about the draft class where it's it's going to be hard to like draft a, a bad wide receiver like and that's kind of the case in fantasy too it, it feels like like uh, it feels like you kind of have to you're going to have to try really hard uh, this year to like not have a good wide receiver core uh if if you're drafting uh, correctly at least
1: yeah. I mean, you just get to basically like running back, maybe like 12 or 13 and you start to have the questions. Then when you get to like running back 25, 30, you start to have a lot of questions and you're lo- really relying at hope. But when you're in the wide receivers and you're even at like wide receiver, like 55 wide receiver, 60, you're like, this is a pretty good player. Like, th- like there's a, there's a definite avenue here where you're not just selling yourself on opportunity. You're saying like, yeah, this is an actual productive NFL player. Uh, vice versa, when we're talking about taking like Marlon Mack or something like
0: that. So this is um, <laughs> as someone who is obviously not as big into you know fantasy and, and knowing what I'm doing as you are um, every year in the Scott Fishbowl, which I uh, just got the invite for uh, for this year, oh, I, nice. I find myself being in that position where uh, it's like it's round like eight or nine. And I see a wide receiver and like coming at it from like a real football perspective, I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's still really good. Like I'm obviously taking <laughs> Odell Beckham over Marlon Mack. Like that's the but like those those are the choices that you have to make. And uh usually I end up with a roster that has uh very bad running backs because I'm waiting until like round 18 to to take one uh but that is like i can't get my mind around that so that's that's kind of it is where we are with wide receivers oh uh, in in a lot of drafts and you kind of have to like reset yourself uh there a little bit when, when you're figuring out and i have not been able to do that
1: yeah i mean you still look at it from like a positional leverage stance like you, you hint upon it earlier uh that just so much of your league has production at the wide receiver position now granted you're going to have some teams that run into injuries and they have like limited wide receiver positions in season but when you look at just from a like uh, like from a leverage stance the baseline of the wide receiver position still produces so much more tangible output to the top of the position compared to running back i mean that's why running backs Still, even though there's there's so few and it's such a scarcity, those guys, when you get them in season, they just create so much positional leverage because the field at the position is just so poor, especially when we get in season. I mean, even last year, you look at, you know, if you didn't have Austin Eckler combat Jonathan Taylor, I mean, then, then the gap was just, just plummeted down there. Now, we did have Cooper Cup last year, who basically was the first player wide receiver to like lead in like fantasy war, like wins replacement since I've seen it like really done and calculated. So if you run into another Cooper cup, you're going to be good. But uh, I'm going to say that Cooper, that Cooper cup season probably doesn't happen again this year for someone.
0: Uh, yeah. Like a uh, 2000 receiving yards, probably not. Uh, it, it was uh, the perfect storm of like a, a lot of things. Um, and and we're we'll get into that because uh, we'll talk about Cooper Cup. We'll talk about uh, some other guys that you uh, you don't have Cooper Cup as your uh, currently ranked wide receiver one for um, for the 2022 season. And I think there's uh, a reasonable reason uh, for that so um let's let's dive into uh your rankings we'll talk about some of these guys and and talk about you know some of the the situations and just kind of the the overall landscape that are putting some of these guys you know where they are so uh we cooper cup he uh currently ranked as your wide receiver two let's talk about your wide receiver one this year and and you have been I, I like that i will i will toot the uh rich rebar horn here you, you have been very good at looking at the landscape and kind of projecting who the wide receiver one is it could potentially be uh i think it was a couple years ago uh adams you had as as your wide receiver one when a lot of other you know the fantasy uh landscape didn't really have him that high and you kind of projected like that we were going to see a type of breakout there um so you right now have justin jefferson as the wide receiver one and i I kind of love that because there's a lot that he can do. Uh, I think we're going to see more passing uh, from this uh, Minnesota offense. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week with Ryan McChrystal when we did our under 25 um, player draft. Uh, and, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson uh, was the very high on my board. He was the second wide receiver taken, um, but he would have been my first if I, I took a wide receiver first. Um so, yeah, dive into uh, Justin Jefferson a little bit and why you have him uh, as your current wide receiver one.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, just the, the top down view is that remember last year's point staying last year. It's not that the you know, anything the, the negative about Cooper Cup at all. It's just that we don't get to roll over all those points he had last year. It's going to be rich. A new why are you a
0: hater when you have him <laughs> as the second best? I know, I, I know.
1: But uh, yeah, you brought up the Michael Thomas season. It was a very similar season. Michael Thomas just set the NFL record for receptions in a season, which still held. Cup, Cup didn't break it last year. He, he knocked on the door on all those things, but uh, and I didn't roll over Michael Thomas's, you know, as the wide receiver one that year because we didn't get Michael Thomas's points from that year before. And I thought that you know when you when I laid it out, and I did projections, and that it just everything signaled Devontae Adams and we got lucky we hit there uh I just think when you look at Justin Jefferson he just checks too many boxes uh one he's he's in that right like that strike zone of age apex you know just being kind of right into that strike zone of like mid-20s where Cup is going to be 29 and that's not doesn't mean Cup's going to fall off but you know you've got you we want to bet on players like that core age apex strike zone we've got a player that plays all over the field he's already been a proven player that can play inside outside win vertical win underneath uh, he slays in the intermediate game, something you've highlighted. And then we're getting a scheme change with Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell, who comes over from the Rams, ironically, uh, to give this offense a little more passing volume, but not just passing volume, but types of passing plays. And when you look at the Vikings, their they're percentage of plays that were just under center and play action were amongst the league lead. We're going to get a lot more three wide receiver sets. The Rams use three or more wide receivers on the field 320 more plays than the the Vikings did last year. Things are just going to be open a lot more for Justin Jefferson where he's not running in like two wide receiver sets. Uh so I mean I, I just think that the signal points to Justin Jefferson on just like all the trajectory, checking all these boxes and also being on a worse team that uh you know I'm gonna go kind of where I think the puck is going instead of where it's already been. And then you know with Cup and you know I wrote an article about his regression. I won't get too much into the weeds on that today. You can go check out that article it looks at like This some of his historic breakout and how impressive it was, but then also the Rams as a team are going to regress. I mean, 80% of the offensive touchdowns that the Rams scored last year were passing touchdowns, the highest rate in the league. Historically, teams that have thrown passing touchdowns at that rate, they lose eight touchdowns passing per season the following season. So you're even from the Rams level, like we're going to have fewer passing touchdowns for the Rams overall. It's a good safe bet uh, on top of Cup's natural regression to come back to the field. So like I said, I'm just trying to skate to where the puck is going a little bit. I think you can even make a case for Jamar chase as well. But the thing about Jamar chase is he's plays like a really excellent teammate. And that's not to say Adam Thielen's not a really good football player, but Justin Jefferson's gap in target production is still just so, so much wider than what chase is going to be over the field of his offensive teammates.
0: Yeah. And I think when you look at, uh, he got uh, wide receivers with at least uh, 100 routes last year. Uh, Jefferson was six in yards per route run. Uh, had one of the highest uh, target shares, uh, and one of the things that, like, a, as a dominant receiver, like, was was targeted downfield. You know, quite a bit of like these top guys that we see with some of these, you know, high uh, target shares. Um, he had a uh, 12.4. Sorry, uh, 12.4 yard uh, a dot, which uh, among uh, other guys, like you look at Cooper Cup, uh, 8.59, Debo Samuel was 8.5. Devontae Adams was uh, 9.5. So he's getting, you know, some more valuable routes here. It was, you know, like Jabbar Chase, who was, you know, 12.6. And again, he's, he's not going to really be fighting for some of those deep targets, right, um, you know. Uh, for you know what Adam Thielen is you know we he can still be you know schemed up down there he's been more of that that red zone threat mm-hmm. a, a little bit um you know he's there's not a lot of competition for you know some of those very like high leverage uh type of targets and like he he comes down with them and like I said I, I you know talked about his his intermediate uh route running which which is so good um and over 54% of uh Minnesota's intermediate targets which which is insane um and you know he's so good in that area i think that's going to be opened up more i think we like talk if you want me to hear me like wax poetic about justin jefferson just listen to uh last week's uh, episode but yeah i mean for, for what what he can do um. Yeah. Like. I think we've only seen like the tip of the iceberg, too. Like, he. This is a guy who can. You know, get better. I, I. don't think it's one of those where like we've seen. Uh. You know. The that one or two year flash and like that's kind of the the best we're going to get mm-hmm. that we sometimes see with some of these wide receivers. I there's there's still a lot of meat on the bone for Justin Jefferson to. Uh, to get here, uh, and, I, and I really think that that's potentially going to be happening uh, in this offense, uh, and even this year. Like as you know, I feel like when people talk about the, the Vikings' offense, no one's like really excited about it because of you know some of the other pieces you know, that are involved, namely the quarterback. But like it for what they need to do, like it's it's going to be really good. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll see a lot more efficiency too. Like you said, uh, more volume, which uh, is the fantasy game is about volume. Um, so for Justin Jefferson to be doing what he did uh, when, you know, Minnesota was, wasn't passing, you know, all that often, or didn't want to be passing. They were kind of forced into doing it as, at some points last year. But, um, I think that's going to be, you know, their MO this year is going to be passing and getting Justin Jefferson the ball, which, uh, is very exciting just to, to either watch, or if you uh, are going to be having him on, on a fantasy roster. Um, so let's, uh, Let's dive into kind of the the rest of uh, the rest of the top five. I think let's let's keep with the, with the top five here because we have cup, and then you have Jamar Chase, uh, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, um, are the the rest of the top five. Which uh, you know it, we talked about Chase a little bit. Uh, he does have you know part of. Um, you know, com- competing a little bit for, for some of those targets, maybe more than those other guys are. Um, I think some of those mm-hmm. other guys are the true alphas uh, on their team, even though, you know, some of them have, you know, changed teams. Uh, when you look at, you know, uh, the Devonte Adams here. Um, so when, uh, when we're looking at these guys, are these just kind of guys you're going to be, you know, taking highly and kind of forgetting about it and then uh, allowing them to kind of you know, take, take your roster to, to where it needs to be?
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a clear tier break I think probably after Tyree Hill and even he comes with maybe a little bit of you know kind of question marks you can say maybe Devonte Adams. I think you have a tier break this year where then you kind of look at like maybe wide receiver like 7 through maybe 14 15 and you say like that could just be one ranking, right? Like we num- we have to arbitrarily number these guys, but like to me like if we're sectioning them off into tiers then you kind of get into like those that next group. But I think that those top guys those top five, especially, and I would, I would still consider Tyree Kill just because you know, when you look at Tyree Kill, he's made every quarterback he's played better. I mean, this is a guy that has a wide receiver five season with al Smith, you know, a player that, you know, gets copped into a into Loyola too, which probably is inaccurate uh, as well. So, I mean, he's just basically been good wherever he's played and with the, any quarterbacks. But, I mean, he's this is the guy that when Matt Moore played it was still scoring touchdowns, you know, with the Chiefs. So I still think Tyreek Hill's going to be fine um, as well. And then you kind of get into the question mark tier where th- there's a lot of upside there, players you like in our lead wide receivers. But those top five I feel kind of really good about uh, if I can start my team with one of those guys. And you can typically get like Diggs and Adams and Tyreek into the second round this year. Uh, at this portion of the offseason but those are all guys i feel really good about um chase i really like i like what we saw from chase at the end of last season so the Bengals really for the front maybe i want to say 12 weeks chase was just destroying everybody vertically like it was like him and tyler lockett and then the league kind of like got religion and was like it took it took them longer than it should have but the league got religion was like we got to start like, just not letting this dude destroy us downfield. And there was an actual like change in the types of routes he ran, his A dot. And you saw like Chase over the like the last quarter of the season be used more as like a complete receiver. And you got to showcase something like that, how much, how physical he is and how good he is after the catch. And that alone, like, doesn't scare me as much. Cause so we did it with Justin Jefferson as a rookie, right? Justin Jefferson as a rookie just destroyed downfield. And then we got to see his game kind of like fully enhanced last year. I think we'll see something similar with Chase. Uh, you just look at from week five on he only had nine more targets than T Higgins. he did more with them, but like I said that target gap uh is a lot tighter than it is for like we can say uh a Stefan Diggs and the Bills wide receivers or even going down like you know potentially cd lamb guys like you know a j brown guys like that but uh yeah i I still think that chase is gonna be like like we said, Justin Jefferson, you just don't overthink it, right
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't need to be going uh, crazy on something like that. And and the Jamar Chase thing is is really interesting because like, and and it's not just that we're you know you're saying that there is you know some some target competition there. Like you have T Higgins right now as wide receiver twelve, which is I think the highest like wide receiver two Mm -hmm. you uh, like for a team, right? Obviously at at wide receiver twelve, he's still technically you know would be a a wide receiver one uh, for you know fantasy purposes, but like a team's wide receiver too. Higgins is uh, the top, and and when you look and some of that when they started going to to Higgins a, a little bit, um, you look and oh, from you know week eight on uh t higgins had a uh, 2.58 yards per route run with a 20 percent target share um jamar chase was at 1.99 yards per route run with the 23.1 uh, target share so like they're getting targeted very similarly um you know higgins was able to you know pull out some while some of that um you know uh the attention was being drawn to chase so i it's that's going to be a give and take there too so it, it might be a little uh a little is kind of maybe the, the Patriots running backs of, um, uh, but, but in, in a good way, I guess, uh, where, you know, they're both going to be putting up, like, you know, you have these Patriots running backs that maybe they put up a, you know, a running back one, but you never know who's going to, you know, get the ball. Um, but I think with Cincinnati's, uh, you know, wide receivers, you know, these guys are both going to potentially, you know, put up big numbers, but it's kind of whoever the attention is on, I think the ball is going to be going the other way and they're they're not going to be force-feeding, one of these guys e- either way.
1: Um I mean, you look at the Bengals too offense as a whole. I mean last year they played uh one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Now they flip they play one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. They were at the bottom of the league in pace of play and like in place run. All those things are going to kind of revert. Like does that mean they're going to jump to like a top five team in pace of play? No, but they were uh 29th in the NFL in pace of play. Like they're going to be put in different positions where we're going to see them accelerate. And we've kind of talked about their offensive line a bit too I mean, this is a team that was second in the NFL in touchdown rate per drive on drives they didn't take a sack. And you improve this offensive line. Now some of those sacks are still gonna be exist because of the nature of the way Joe Burrow plays, but they're gonna the Bengals are a different like they're gonna be a different situation this year where they're we haven't even seen like their offense really hit the highest gear can hit
0: Yeah, I, like we, we talked about it a lot last year where we're not totally sold on like what they did on offense structurally i think they kind of did what they you know could do and a lot of it was you know just relying on burrow and empty talent. And they a lot of talent.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and that's what it was yeah we have better players than you and that's really all that matters um so i think this this is going to be a, a pretty big year for um like zach taylor and the the structure and scheme of the offense and what that actually brings because you know we, we talked about it a bunch or not like he Zach Taylor did not do a lot to elevate what they had um, yes. on that team. And like you said, it was, it was so much about that, the talent just winning um, when it's, you know, uh, a go ball to Jamar chase and, and he can win. <laughs> that's, that's really all they needed and that's all they relied on, but that's not, Necessarily, something that's going to be completely sustainable. So, while that talent is still there, and you're obviously going to bet on it for fantasy, um, in the the larger, you know, the aspect of it, as we're looking for what this Bengals offense is going to look like, uh, they they need uh, a couple more tricks up their sleeve, I think, for them to like at least, you know, on, on the field um, and in you know the actual game uh, football to you know produce like they did last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, I. The I, I wanted to get into it. you have Devonte Adams and, and Tyreek Hill ranked you know right next to each other um and you kind of you touched on them a little bit but the guys who are very you know big wide receivers um in new in new places uh, with new quarterbacks and I think you know Devonte Adams has Derek Carr who he you know went to college with and that was part of the uh, the reason he went to the Raiders. But so I'm wondering how you feel about how some of their production is going to, you know, continue because with Adams, so much of what he did, um, really was. Just having that relationship with with Aaron Rodgers and like the the kind of the, the telepathic like I know exactly where Devonte Adams is going to be. I'm going to throw it. I know exactly what Rodgers is going to be doing, so I'm going to be in that spot. And I think we, we really see that in the red zone. So I think you could you know potentially see you know the Raiders have been quite bad in, in the red zone for a while because they didn't really have that threat. And Devontae Adams is now one of the best threats uh, in the red zone. I, I had a clip of guess, last year, two years ago, of just like all of the Devontae Adams routes uh, in the red zone that he just, it was either, you know, screens or or kind of R- RPOs and things like that. And that's something that could easily be added to the Raiders' offense. Um, so uh, do, do you see something like that where he's, you know, still going to be... Um, that type of, of red zone threat he's going to be touchdown dependent or do we just see that he's going to be someone who you know is just so much better than everything else the raiders have as pass catchers and you know n- no offense to you you know hunter renfro uh darren waller um or are we just pretty confident that he's just going to take off that like very clear wide receiver one workload in the offense
1: But we know that Devontae Adams is good at football, and we know that historically wide receivers like this when they've gotten traded have been still really strong for fantasy production. It's not just wide receiver changing teams. Like typically free agency has been kind of a fool's goal to elevate wide receivers, but these wide receivers that get traded still remain highly productive. Uh, you know, we saw DeAndre Hopkins a couple of years ago get traded, change teams. Now the situation with Devontae Adams is a little bit different here is because he's really not shared targets with, and he's not had any significant target threats on his team the last three years at all. You look at his target, which typically, Aaron Jones has been the number two target for the Packers, those Packers teams. And you have a player that's getting targeted on basically a third of his routes run, you know, and he, he, once again, you know, last year he's targeted on 30% of his routes. He's second in in fantasy points per route. Now he's going to have at least, no matter what you think about hunter renfro and darren waller they're significantly better players than what alan lazard was you know the, the, these guys that Devontae had played with robert Tunyon, these guys that competed for targets with him uh down the field so he does have that a little bit where you have to take a little bit of that into consideration that the raiders are still going to get the football to these other players that have proven to be good assets as well uh so you try to factor that in and there's just no way to cut it that Derek is not Aaron Rodgers but we also do have a sample of you know Devontae Adams playing with non-Aaron Rodgers players and it's not as good as playing with Aaron Rodgers but he was still productive you know he had a stretch of a season where he played with Brett Humley and was still producing as well as a close to wide receiver one production so putting all those things together that Derek Carr at least is better than Brett Humley and Jordan Love like there's so there's some give and there's some take and you try to do the best you can uh in that regard but I still think that there's a gap like I said when you get to Devontae Adams I could maybe move him down and make a case say, yeah, Cooper Cup is here, Jamar Chase is here, Stefan Diggs has got that chemistry and better offense. Like we may not know where the floor now lies with Devontae Adams is, but then when you start to compare him to some of these other players, his ceiling is still just as high and you start to factor it in. So it's hard to move him down significantly lower.
0: Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense because like it as much as we've said, you know. And you you know noted it. Um, you know, this wide receiver production is good, but then once you get past, you know, this tier, there you still kind of have the questions and, and it can go anywhere between especially, you know, uh with with the, the Mike Evans' and the and the C D Lambs and the and the Keenan Allen's like all of these guys are also you know going to be sharing some type of, of workload here to you know the extent that you know Devontae Adams was was the wide receiver one for a while because he he literally was the wide receiver. Like one and only on, on his team, and like you said, there just there weren't any other options to throw to. They um, played the league
1: MVP for the two of the last three years, and basically got the just dominate looks from 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 that. You know, the Raiders are interesting. Anyways, we haven't really talked about the Raiders a lot this offseason, but we talked about those three players, but they're going to be really interesting too. Like Connor Renfro is a tougher guy to figure out too, because how does this offense kind of fit together with Josh McDaniels? I mean, their wide receiver depth is not good. And if this is a team that's forced to play maybe more multiple tight end sets instead of wide receiver sets, because right now it's looking like Demarcus Robinson is their wide receiver three. this is a team that skated by last year with Zay Jones and Brian Edwards playing a lot of snaps. So maybe I'm just, you know, overthinking it a little bit, but like when they go three wide receiver sets, uh, it's Demarcus Robinson's going to be on the field. Like that's kind of gross. Uh, and then they go to wide receiver sets. You remove Renfro from having like his best asset. Like he's a guy that wins inside and wins in space, uh, creating space on like those, those two way, those two way option routes and uh, outside he really has a thrive. So the Raiders are an interesting team altogether. I'm curious to see how it all comes together um, for them offensively in this change over with Josh McDaniels.
0: Yeah, that is going to be, you know, one of those things. And as we get you know through OTAs and, and training camp, kind of seeing what, some of that structure looks like is yeah like you said after even after you know demarcus Robinson, if he's not the wide receiver three it's you know keelan cole matt collins (laughs) (laughs) um you know not guys that you're like fine players who can you know play a role not guys you probably want as your wide receiver three uh the poor one out for by uh my trey turner left because this guy uh didn't even get out of like rookie camp uh on this roster as an undrafted free agent so uh not a, not a great sign he's still still holding out some hope but uh he couldn't crack this uh that wide receiver core. that's not great um but yeah and like you said you Foster Moreau is the, the number two tight end um so yeah we could see some more uh two wide receiver sets which are uh, two tight end sets and you know that is something that um doesn't that it has, has used before yeah uh but it, yeah it does you know impact what Remfro uh, could potentially uh, be doing but yeah they they are a fascinating team because they, they do have some pieces in place um and if all of them are, are built used to their the best of their ability it's an interesting mm. offense but uh, yeah that's that's kind of one of those things where um you're not going to feel confident in maybe like a a Renfro or someone. And we'll probably talk about like some of these guys a little further down the rankings where you kind of have to wait and see what this role is going to be. And that's maybe what like later drafts are are good for. um, If you're kind of, you know, kind of holding out of of what some of these roles are are going to be. So um, as we go through, I, I think one of the things that I think we, you've, as you've said, uh in in the piece you wrote um for for thursday um that we're we're pretty good at figuring out like who the top receivers are going to be right and right. i think we've kind of done that uh, across the board we also talked about that uh, quarterback too so but the, the interesting thing it was that a cooper cup uh was not totally there um you know this, this past season uh, when when teams were fantasy players were were drafting um and he was one of the few guys who like jumped into a wide receiver the wide receiver one territory uh by like jumping up at least like 12 spots like by Mm -hmm. adp rank so if is there someone where you might look at where they are now and kind of maybe that that mid-tier that has the potential to maybe jump up that you don't currently have ranked as one of those top guys
1: Well, I I mean, I have one guy on the fringe that I think is definitely like there and Michael Pittman, just the situation, you know, because if the Colts, I mean, man, like, I don't wish this on anything, but let's say Jonathan Taylor misses some time. He's a running back. Like that, the whole dynamic of that offense changes and he already inherently, even with Jonathan Taylor on the field is just going to dominate targets anyways, because they did, they were, they're top. Their top two guys behind him last year, Zach Pascal and T.Y. Hilton, are no longer on the team. They still have to bring T.Y. back. He's still floating around. They really have only added Alec Pierce, a rookie, uh, who won a lot in the contested catch game at Cincinnati. Didn't really get, create a lot of separation on his own. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to just dominate targets. They didn't really add anything to the tight end room again. Uh, what does make the Colts fun is they – like, every one on their team is like, oh, it was like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, They're going to be super fun in the red zone this year. Because you'll get, like, Jelani Woods, Mo Ali Cox, Alec Pearson, Michael Pittman, and then you have John like, They're all just – they're behemoths. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, so Michael Pittman already is going to have, like – he's one of those guys that's going to have a high team target share and always rank highly in that just to the situation he's in with the surrounding teammates. Now we just need the team to have more passing volume. Uh, does – you know, does Matt Ryan create more passing volume because he doesn't scramble as much? Does he just play better than Carson once did? Those are all natural ways to get there. It, like I said, I don't want it to happen to Jonathan Taylor, but if Jonathan Taylor would miss any time, uh, you know, the offense, like I said, completely changes and becomes a little more pass-centric. And then he plays in a division that is is, is a cakewalk. Like, he's, like, they, they play in the right division. So, like, he's a guy that stands out to me. Uh, I've been, since rankings have opened, I've had him higher than consensus. But the, the, he'll get steam, I think, over the summer goes um and the team's going to be good enough too like i think when we look at the colts they're probably a team that's going to win 10 or more games the other thing to kind of factor into this when you're looking at wide receivers and you're looking for like spikes and output is you want to focus on players that play for good teams uh you know it's it's fine to have dj Moore as your wide receiver too uh you know maybe you, you know dk Metcalf. these are talented football players but to get that ceiling that ceiling potential You need guys that are going to be on teams that are good. We know good teams do what? They score points. And when you score points, you create fantasy points in teams that don't and vice versa. It's it's very easy and very basic. So you'll go over the past 30 years, just 6.1% of all wide receiver one scoring seasons have come from teams that have won four or fewer games. Just 17.8% have come to teams that won six or fewer games. Now on the flip side of that, 49%, half of them over the last 30 years basically have come from teams that have won 10 or more games. Uh, you The know, Colts are right there in projected win total. There's another team, like say said, he, he, fit, he checks all his boxes. So you're looking for guys like that, have high high, high opportunity shares, are, are priced down, uh, have teams that are going to be good, play with good quarterbacks. Uh, maybe a guy that's in that mode uh, that could get there that's in a gray right now is like Amari Cooper, right? Another guy that was traded. Uh, if Deshaun Watson's not being suspended, uh, you know, then it elevates him. Uh, on a team where, you know, it's it's him, David Bell, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku has been has flirted with talent but never been a target earner. Could be another situation where you're just looking at the Browns end up being a better team. Amari Cooper flirts the highest target share of his career and plays the best quarterback of his career. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, if you want to push back on Dak versus Deshaun Watson, that's fine too. But, uh, you know, that's how you get these breakouts. Like Mike Williams last year was the breakout, right? like same situation place. The good quarterback is priced down. We know that he can score touchdowns. Uh, And then, you know, the, the chargers, they weren't one of those 10 win teams. They were a team that uh, they, they went what nine and eight last year. So they're right on the the, the door of that. So like, even though I think some guys are undervalued, like a brand I think Brandon cooks is undervalued. Uh, I think Darnell Mooney is undervalued. Like for those guys that get to that type of ceiling though, and crack like being a wide receiver one are extremely thin, but like, Either the Denver wide receivers, you can make a great case for either of those guys, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. Maybe they cannibalize each other a little bit, but that's a team that can flirt with double-digit wins. Good quarterback, could have more pass volume. Uh, you know, you go down the, the line, like if Gabriel Davis of something were having to Diggs, he take another step forward. Um, you know, just all, all those guys kind of in that range that, you know, kind of hit upon. Uh, but you want to focus on that, those aspects, right? Target share opportunity quarterback play successful teams like those those are what you want to target.
0: And, and it's interesting because like it, you listen to that and it, it makes a ton of sense, but then I think you have like a, a lot of people that try to you know galaxy brain themselves into thinking oh well I'll target this receiver on this bad team because they're going to be trailing a lot. That means more passing, right. but usually they're trailing a lot because the passing game is probably bad. Right. Like that, that's the reason. And you're not going yeah. to be getting that <laughs> production um, in turn, because yeah, they're, they're trailing for a reason. So uh, it, it does, it, sometimes it, it does feel a little counterintuitive. You think, you know, good teams leading. And, and I think we like, sometimes we're talking about this, get, get a little too far, uh, too far into that. Um, and just, yeah, wide receivers on good teams. It's yeah, Draft
1: guys that play the good quarterbacks <laughs> are on good teams. It's a, no, I mean, eventually, like I said, I do think some of these guys are divided. Like, so like Brandon Cooks is one of these guys. He's been a wide receiver two or better in every NL season he's played except for one. He's basically priced as a wide receiver three right now. He's played the last two years. He played for teams that won eight combined games. He's still getting there and the opportunity helps him get there. But for him to actually be like a wide receiver one, just it, it's harder for him to take that, like uh, that further step. I've also written about the, the the myth of garbage time too. It's like yep. one of my original articles too that cuz when you lose offensive leverage and I consider offensive leverage where the defense doesn't know what you're going to do, right? You can pass or throw. When you get into a situation where the defense knows you only have to uh, only have to pass. If you look at garbage time stats, like they're all bad. Like yards per pass temp, like all efficiency just drops everything plummets uh so like garbage time's always been kind of a myth uh sure you run into like 2015 blank portals once in a while but typically that's been a false narrative forever
0: yeah um man how is do you know how old brandon cooks is he's
1: 28 i believe
0: yeah he doesn't turn 29 until yeah the end of september um How Brandon, a how Brandon Cooks yeah. is not like 34 right now <laughs> like, is is insane.
1: He's got um, a really in- in- interesting career, but he was one of those 20 year old rookie guys. We always talk about this is why age you know matters. And we talk about during the draft process, right? Like this is these are why you, like you get prospect elevation.
0: Yeah, it's, it's you literally could have told me Brandon Cooks was like 33, <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, sure that that checks out.
1: Yeah, Amari's like that too. I mean, Amari is still not 30 yet. Like, you know, he's, I feel like a lot of people feel like he's a guy that's been in, in the league forever. Uh, yeah, he was another one of those those puppy rookies. Same with Mike Evans, right? Like he, Mike Evans is there now. But uh, yeah, another one of those guys that's just been in the league for a long time and still are, I haven't quite hit the AJ picks yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's um, – I think as we – uh, it kind of r- wrapped uh, some of this up because we don't need to go like to, I mean, we could, you know, specifically profile every wide receiver on right. this and we could talk for, you know, five hours uh, about this. Um, I want to hit quickly the rookie wide receivers because I think there's also in the way we talk about rookie receivers, uh, and I kind of uh, wrote about this with the, the wide receiver market and uh, I've touched on this a little bit. There's uh, a difference between acknowledging that rookie receivers are coming in and making an impact quicker. Um, And there's a line between that and how often like rookies have really dominated as like, Queer, you know, wide receiver ones. And and I think we have, like, we have the Jamar Chase, we have the Justin Jefferson, uh, we have the A.J. Brown. And, like, those are really, like, the three guys that have done it. And I think we kind of, like, have them in our minds as – you know wide receivers are coming in and like immediately turning into like these these dominant wide receiver ones when um but more or less it's just like these rookie wide receivers are coming in and and making contributions which really just used to not be the case um so i think there's kind of a line there so where are you um with uh how you're viewing you know some of these rookies this year
1: yeah, I mean, so it, it's tough because we've had two like extreme breakouts last two years and Chase and Jefferson. Like not guys that have just broke out but have been like legitimate like fantasy stars. And that that really hasn't been the case prior. So it's like we're gonna get Chase, is there gonna be another one of those guys this year? Or are we gonna try to elevate, you know, someone in one of those situations? But it's hard to objectively look at this wide receiver class and where everyone landed and say like that avenue like is fully bettable. Like last year we knew Chase and Chase had the highest rookie ADP for any rookie wide receiver since Amari Cooper last year, but he went to a spot that we knew he played at this college quarterback. He went to a good quarterback. We knew the offense was at least going to be good based on talent, but you look at the top of this wide receiver class and you're like, all right, well, Drake London has the clearest path to a lot of targets, right? You're playing in Atlanta who is signing just all these vagabonds to play wide receiver. Tim, him, Kyle Pitts. But then also we talked about the team's probably not going to win a lot of games. And he's playing with a quarterback that probably doesn't play the whole season and Marcus Mirod, if he, even if he wins the job. So he's probably going to play two quarterbacks at least in his rookie season at some point just because the Falcons, objectively we talked about, they just won't be good enough to not at least see what Desmond Ritter has. Like that's the bet, the bet of L'Engle. You know, Garrett Wilson goes after him. He goes to a Jets team. And I guess you, you could make the argument if the Jets could explode, but he also goes to a spot where he's playing with Garrett Wilson, you know, Corey Davis. Uh, you know, they've got functional pass catchers out of the backfield. And then we still need Zach Wilson to take that leap. Uh, you know, um, you know, Traylon Burks goes to like a, a team that's the, the AJ Brown situation. Like, he you're asking him to be AJ Brown. We talked to this on draft night, yeah. which is very lofty. He's you know, it's very lofty to just expect that. A guy to win on eight targets, right? Like, you're gonna get eight targets and you're gonna have to turn into 100 yards or, or some touchdowns. It's it's hard to do in the NFL. I think the one guy that I think if you want to, to to like foot the fire for me to like bet on, that could have like a ton of upside as a guy you and I have not really like fully been on. It's Chris Alave. Like, you know, that, that's, that scheme that, that, are, that, that, that team in, you know, playing indoors, it could be like hair on fire. Jameis, you've got opportunity. If Michael Thomas doesn't come back from the ankle injury, like there's still a path for the saints to be a really good offense. And for him to be a really good rookie, he'd kind of be the one guy I would say like, if I'm going to bet on like, being the highest scorer he would be kind of the guy Can make maybe make an argument for like Christian Watson uh just from like a a raw talent standpoint um and then you know Sky Moore's got that Chiefs attachment but we don't know if Sky Moore's going to play inside or outside right like this is what we're going to need like training camps for uh you know is it going to be you know where is Juju Smith-Schuster playing because if Juju Smith-Schuster's playing in the slot you know that to me was Sky Moore's like big natural position coming into the NFL. Like he's get, He's ready made to play NFL slot right now. Can he really win outside? We saw him beat up on some dudes in the Mac, like, but like, is he going to be getting open outside with his profile uh, against NFL cornerbacks outside question to be asked. So there's a lot of gray area here. It's hard to say. I mean, because you, you have Justin Jefferson kind of was one of those guys, like no one really kind of thought highly of him as a rookie Although you know Kirk Cousins was completely applicable, and there was no other wide receivers on the team outside of Adam Thielen, uh, it's harder. Th- th- these these spots are a little more muddier to kind of diagnose those guys. But with all their prices, I think you take some swings and you hope to run some stuff as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's kind of one of the you know the fantasy things too. If you're just gonna have fun with it, go go for it. Um, yeah, no, doesn't always work out, but I, it's so like these these rookies are, are going to be. Uh, they're good. They're all like in, in good spots where I think we, we could contribute. Uh, but if you're, you know, expecting them to be the immediately best wide receiver in the league, like don't go drafting a rookie wide receiver thinking you're getting Jamar chase or Justin Jefferson, because the, the odds of that are are low. And I think that's kind of where some people are trying to, you know, come into some of these rookie receivers just because of of how, how we've seen some of these guys, you know, come into the league and, and immediately dominate, but it, it is still a very, uh, low rate of players who who have been doing that
1: to me last year's rookie class is very more intriguing this year because you know you have outside of chase you have jalen waddle who is now going to be playing in a new system with a lot more talent and we're going to be asking him to do things that we didn't really see him do as a rookie uh we believe that he it's in his range of outcomes to do so but there's now a lot of question marks thrown into his situation uh, you know, you look at Amon Ross St. Brown, you add James Williams whenever he comes back, you know, he he produced so much of a section of his, his hot streak with TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift off the field. They're going to be healthy. Uh, Rashad Bateman now is getting this lift because Marquise Brown was traded. Um, you got Devontae Smith now, them adding Arthur Wan to the team. Elijah Moore, they're adding Garrett Wilson, Kadarius Toney. Will he play more than five games? Uh like there's all to me, those guys are probably a little more intriguing to me than the rookies because those guys all demonstrated really good talent levels as rookies, but have like enough like pessimism also cooked into their price where they could come out and just smash would be like tremendous values this year.
0: Yeah, that's the it it is strange like how good some of these guys are, but it has some questions uh because there has been competition added for uh, a bunch of them Uh, and if you're just looking at you know the pure you know targets of what these guys are going to be looking for and you you do have a bunch of them um kind of you know in the same range you have the Waddle. uh 22, um, Ross St. Brown, 25, Rashad Bateman, 27, um, uh, Devontae Smith, 34, Elijah Moore, 35, Canary Sony, 36, like all, all of these guys you have yep. pretty much in, in the same group. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, uh, pick your poison or pick uh, w- just your flavor of guys. I like grabbing a couple of those
1: guys and try to catch a
0: breakout for sure. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> probably the the way to do it. If you're, if you're drafting now and doing it earlier, doing some, t- you know, some of these best balls and. You know one of those guys is probably bound to break out. Uh, just you know, figuring out which one it is, uh, uh, might be uh, a little harder, but there we go. I think that was a good, you know, first run through some of these uh wide receiver rankings, and it's something to you know, continue to, to look forward to as we get you know, closer to, into the season. And it, like we mentioned, you know. Uh, figuring out what you know some of these roles are going to be it, it kind of you know what you can watch for uh in otas so once we get into training camp like that's that's the kind of stuff that uh that's going to actually make some of these you know off-season reports uh worth something
1: so uh, yeah, that's the stuff to follow i can say from my working at roto world days and having to do the blur uh, that's the stuff you want to follow actual news, not like just like opinions. So, like, you'll have beat guys that say, oh, you know, Devontae Parker is looking great in camp, or I think this guy can go for a thousand yards. None of that means anything, right? Like, that's just like, so th- that's not actual news. You want to find out, yeah. Hey, when they're running three wide receiver sets, like this guy, where guys are playing, uh, when they're doing red zone packages, like what what are those doing? That's stuff you want to follow as we move on through the summer, uh, and not just like, oh yeah, here's a clip of this guy making an awesome play, or the beat writer saying this guy looks good.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> everybody looks good, I've, and like even like the, the guys who look uh, bad, like that. That kind of goes goes the other way too. Um, oh, yeah. This time uh, around last year, uh, Jamar Chase uh, couldn't catch a ball.
1: So look at that Tua a throw. Tua made one throw where Tyreek Hill had to like kind of slow down and catch. And now like everyone thinks the Dolphins would be terrible. <laughs> it's yeah. We we uh, that clip made every round, somewhat, that clip was everywhere.
0: Yeah, we somewhat talked about that because uh, we recorded like right after that happened. And <laughs> yeah, we just. You you don't need to do that. It's okay. Step step away uh, from from the from the social media videos. Um, and, it's and nice outside. Touch some grass. Go touch some grass. Uh, listen, some of us live in cities and we cannot I... really touch grass. But <laughs> all right. Well, you got no allergies,
1: then. You're good. You're good to go.
0: That's uh, also true. Um, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> on that note, as we completely go off the rails as we end here, um, all of Rich's uh, fantasy uh, content got a whole bunch of rankings for uh, Dynasty, uh, Seasonal, uh, there's tiers. All of that right now is up on SharpFootballAnalysis.com. That is all free for the offseason uh, before we start uh, paywall and some things. Uh, and you have to get the, the fantasy package to get all of uh, Rich's uh, incredible content for fantasy but right now if you go to the site um, all of his rankings and, and fantasy write-ups uh, are are free to to view so I would highly suggest uh, going to do that um, so we, we will end the show here uh, you can find Rich on Twitter at Oribes. you can find me on Twitter at Dan Pazuda. thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon